very much are saying, we officially do this, but we actually do this. The stated job is different than the day-to-day -day job. When you're like, who am I listening to? What am I doing? You're listening to Wild Creative, a podcast designed to inspire new ways of thinking, evoke wild ways of being, and excavate enriched understandings about our purpose, creativity, and wellness. I'm your host, Emma Kvetna, maker and mystic, teacher and writing coach, entrepreneur and Sagittarius. I am joining you today from the traditional territories of the Mi'kmaq people in Nova Scotia, Canada. Without further ado, let's explore the wild creative. Hello and welcome to Wild Creative. If you are someone who is involved in or has been involved in nonprofit organizations or uh, other institutions or academic settings, you may have experienced a misaligning with yourself and that organization at some point. Uh, maybe at some point along the way, you stopped believing in the mission that they were doing, or you saw that they weren't really fulfilling their mission, or you felt worked too hard by uh, by them without really any acknowledgement or there was mismanagement, who knows? Like There could be many, many things going on. And perhaps you've experienced that or felt that when working in a big organization. And maybe you found it difficult to leave that organization um, because you had deep ties with it and were connected to it over a long period of time. And uh, it, the transition out of it was difficult. And maybe you're even still in it and you're wondering, why am I even here? I don't even really align anymore with with these people, but I feel I have to do something, so I'm going to stick with it. If you're at all that person or have had that experience or you know somebody who's had that experience, then this episode is definitely for you today because my guest, she specializes in helping people transition out of those types of situations or she helps them figure out ways to make it better so that they can stay in them. So it's a pretty uh, interesting topic today. So my my guest is Don Troutman. Don Troutman founded Big Picture, Big Purpose in 2005 to coach ministry professionals, academics, and nonprofit into healthy change makers in their personal and professional lives. What sets her apart from other coaches is her deep knowledge of the complexities of faith, communities, academia, and nonprofits. Her work has been described as strategic, action oriented, and relentlessly positive without being unrealistic. After earning a master's in youth and family ministry at Luther Seminary, she earned an additional master's at organizational psychology at New York University. She combined those degrees to become one of the first national board certified life coaches in the U.S. She's also a mom, a professional actor, and producer of a web series called A Dairy Tale, which she describes as being like the office if your office was a barn. On weekends, she volunteers at her church's food pantry in New York City, which serves up to 24,000 meals a week. Dawn joined me today via Zoom from her home in New York City. Hello, Dawn. Thank you so much for joining me on Wild Creative. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. 
Yeah, I'm excited to talk to you as well. You have a very interesting career path, <laughs> um, to say the least. So I always like to start off with a bit of like a background on how people got to where they are, because you originally started off as an actress and a producer, or is that still something you're doing alongside the big purpose, big picture, or big picture, big purpose <laughs> uh, coaching business? Yes, I started actually working in very large progressive churches alongside being an actor. So I was a dancer growing up and um, an actor and producer has come later in the process. Um, so I was working in very large churches, which meant that I was overseeing lots of volunteers and I loved sort of coaching the adults who were working with the youth and the children. And so it led to getting a master's in psychology, which then led to the life coach certification. So it is a little different path than some other right. people. And then weaving back in through the dancer, actor, producer thing, I uh, chose to do the master's in psychology at New York University so that I could be among creatives and Broadway and learn about all of those things. And I do, I am, a, you know, a member of the acting union and um, yeah. working at that level. And the producing came about because we were out of town doing a musical. And I don't know if you think about the people in musicals when they come to town, but what are we doing all day? Yeah. So we decided to do a web series, a narrative web series in a town where we were a lot. So I was kind of running the coaching business on Zoom and producing this web series and doing the musical at night. So it is all alongside each other. So where did the psychology come in? Like how and how do you like what? Because that's so sciencey compared to like the arts, right? Yes, I love to know why people are doing things and not know because they're humans and they have their reasons, but learn some patterns. Oh, and for your listeners, I am here with a baby. If you hear. <laughs> yes, there's the, her, her name's, her name's Lucy and she's happily eating away. <laughs> she was like fine up until we started. Of course. <laughs> but, um, so what's the question? I got distracted. I'm oh, sorry. How, how did, how did you choose psychology when you came oh, from such thank an artsy you. Thank background? You. Yeah. <laughs> I, um, I did have a psychology minor in my undergrad and okay. I'm fascinated with why people do things, how people do things, just patterns. I know every yeah. human is different, but patterns and it can help then. I mean, it led to the life coach certification, so it can help them understand themselves right. and make their life better. So um, I just have maybe more of an academic background than some other life coaches, but I probably yeah. had some of the same motivations. Right. It all has its, its place for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because psychology is so interesting. So. Yes. Um, so when it comes to big picture, big purpose, the coaching business that you have, um, and it's really about helping people who are in those institutions and helping them kind of reach their true calling, if I'm correct. So yes. what what is it these days about institutions and ac academic settings and nonprofit settings that people that, that aren't providing to their people, whatever it is that, that's missing? Like what is what's going wrong in the institutions these days? Like, why are you finding that people want to ascend from them and do their own thing? I love that question. Thank you. Um, it 
institutions were created because some things couldn't happen alone or people just have this natural inclination to bond together to make something bigger happen. So they start in order to reach these bigger goals and the goals then take over. The institution is designed to protect itself. Like even people are more most familiar with our government. We have three branches. One of them cannot just take us all down. Right. Right. But right. There's checks and balances and they're good. But then if something needs to change, it takes a while. And in the process of that in academia or churches or nonprofits, sometimes it's eating up and spitting out the particular people in it. An institution mm. is going to want to not only preserve itself, but also get as much out of its people as possible. It wants to reach the mission. So the people working there may believe in the mission, but being there may suck the soul right out of you, you know, actually doing the work because they want 50 hours, then they want 60 hours and, or you're not connected to the end user or all right. Yeah. That's a big disconnect for sure. Yes. Yeah. So when people are struggling, I kind of give them three options or help them think about it in Mm -hmm. three ways. Yeah. One is you could leave. I mean, that's obvious. Yep. The second is you could relate to the institution differently. And so say, you know, am I going to quiet quit or something that's maybe less dramatic, but on that road right. or you can say, do I have the power to change something about this institution? Because some of them are in high enough leadership positions that they could say, we're going to run this thing differently. Exactly. So and for somebody who wants to take that route, that's kind of where you come in. Yeah, or leaving because with nonprofits and academia and churches, you can't just be like, here's my two weeks notice. It's you're deeply invested yeah. in the lives of your end user. And there's a lot of hurt. It's not just thank you for the paycheck. I'm done. You have to unravel. Yeah, yes. you're very yeah entwined and caught in that web not that it's a bad web necessarily but it's you're very ingrained in it yeah so what are some examples some client examples of some transitions that you've seen from from your clients? I just I'm thinking about the last couple of days I have somebody who just completed leaving a church because she was not paid as much as her male colleague mm. and she tried and tried and tried to get that rectified and we talked all last fall when they were making the budget and it just they would not work it out. And she had actually more experience than the man as well. So it wasn't about that. And so the only way to draw attention to that problem and change that system was to leave because then she could say, here's why I left. And the next person then can be paid more fairly. Yeah. This is a very progressive denomination, you know, like, it's not like, Oh, it's our first woman we've ever had, you know, right. Um, Somebody else looking for a different academic position, those you have to learn how to deal because you can't just switch in March. You have to like live through the semester if it's going badly and figure out something for next September. And so it's both managing the current situation and then figuring out what is my next move. And those can be dramatic, especially if you're on a tenure track, because that sort of means your job is protected until you retire. But if the situation is not good, it is a dramatic decision to go to a different institution in start over on a tenure track or in a different, you know, like be a dean or something. Right. That's such a good point. Like I've never thought about that before, but it's not like a typical nine to five job that you can just quit 
and in two weeks and be done with. It's very, it's very different when you're in those places. Yes. Yeah. And yes. more difficult. Yeah. More emotions too. And more at stake. There's like lots going on. Lots of, yeah. And you have to think of like your, yeah, your timing. What are you going to do when you're done, when you come out of it? Right. And the people, nonprofits and churches, especially they are there for people's like biggest and hardest moments. They're at like the birth of a child. They run funerals. They're like in people's most emotional spaces. They are the, you know, in hospital ICUs, no one's allowed to visit, but your religious figure is allowed to visit. Like you are in the most vulnerable spaces with these people. And then to just be like, okay, I'm leaving. It's a big deal. Right. So emotions make it complex. What other types of things, what other, other complexities would you say come into that? Yeah. Nonprofits, churches, and to some degree, academia, they generally have many bosses. Like there's a board or a, you know, deacons or whatever the word elders, um, or the regular board of directors at a nonprofit. And so lots of people have opinions about how it should go. And there's not always good processes for making that happen. Right. A lot of these places also very much are saying we officially do this, but we actually do this. And so the stated job is different than the day-to-day job. And there's a rub and you're like, who am I listening to? What am I doing? Right. Who do I, who do I go to for this type of thing? Yeah. Right. I'm just realizing now, like how niche this really is that you do this. (laughs) It's crazy niche. And yet there's not a lot of competition. So I get a lot of people. I'm sure you do. Cause it it happens. I'm sure all the time. And it's such a, what a, what a very needed service. Like there's, cause there's people who are still stuck in institutions that wish they could find a way out, but if, but they don't know any better because they don't have someone like you. (laughs) So it's, yeah, it's very niche. Some of the institutions, if they are like feeding the poor, you don't want to just shut it all down. You're, you believe in the overall vision. So, okay, this this organization's being run badly, but the, the thing needs to happen. So I can't yeah. just walk away. Right. They're too invested now. They got to, like the moral obligation too is there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. See how that would make it very complex indeed. <laughs> But yeah, it's very niche. And um, it still makes me wonder, like, how did you get into this specifically? Like, did you go through a a time in your life where you left an an institution or had a similar experience? I did grow up very connected to a couple institutions, especially progressive churches, um, meaning we have gay and women pastors for your listeners who are wondering what I mean by that. So um, more about peace and justice Mm-hmm. and that world of Christianity. So um, they also, though, are doing good and yet have some difficult leaving. And I left one in order to get my master's at New York University um, and also found that once I was dipping my toe into life coaching, this was a need and I I was well-connected. I had a lot of who you start coaching is who you know. And I was able to find that I fit in, that I could answer this very specific thing because when they're you know, going to maybe their health insurance or asking a friend for a life coach to understand the minutia of some of these systems is you have to have been in it. So yeah, that's totally. Mm-hmm. Yes. You have to have be on the inside at some point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Wow. So when it comes to working with, because on your website, it's described as change makers. That's kind of who these people are that you're working with. So when it comes to being a change maker, some people might find that term very overwhelming and think like, oh, that means I have to change the world. And if I can't do that, then I might as well not bother because, uh, you know, they, they may think it's too unattainable or something. So like what's what could you say about change change making uh, to make it less of a, a dream and more of a reality to help like the average person in their everyday life? How could they start implementing changes and feel like they are a change maker without being like, oh, I didn't I didn't solve world hunger. I guess I'm <laughs> I guess I shouldn't do anything. Right. I someone just asked this yesterday on a coaching oh, interesting. call um, that he is in like an administrative position at a nonprofit, but feels like he wants to, you know, make a bigger impact, but how do you even start? Right. And I would say, what's the next right step? Like, don't think about the whole world. What could you actually do in the next seven days? And that might be just find out what nonprofits are near you or Google who, you know, there's probably websites in most areas about where you could volunteer or can you ask one person, you know, if they know anywhere to volunteer. So just the smallest step. And I put it into seven days because it forces it to be small. Yeah. Manageable. Mm -hmm. The other thing is that's that change maker is on the website because I draw people who started out to change the world and they got disillusioned because that's who goes into those fields. Yes. And I'm sure that happens a lot. There's probably lots of change makers out there who have either forgotten that's who they are or don't know that they have that in them. Right. Right. It's the people who, you know, they want to defeat all the people and then it's frustrating to feed five people and helping them reconnect with that seed in there. Yeah. That's a good segue into my question about how do you help someone bring that out of themselves? Like what's like a tip or something you could give to someone who is feeling lost doesn't know their true calling, doesn't know what kind of change they want to implement, where should they start? I often ask people, when's the last time you felt you made a difference? And even if it's 20 years ago, and then we can go from that event to how did it feel? How did it happen? Is there any of it we could replicate over the next six weeks to get back to the feeling of it, even if it's not the actual thing? So embodying that feeling again. Yeah. Like, why did you decide to do this when you graduated from college or whenever that crossroads happened? Yeah. You know, when when was a moment, like I have them describe in pretty much detail, when did this feel like it all came together? And there's usually been a conversation with a child or, you know, they connected with some sort of end user, a nurse who was like with someone and their family couldn't come and she was accompanying them through a hard thing or whatever it is. Um, But what was that feeling? And then how can we create a situation where that feeling could return? Right. And even if it's small too, like a small change, because I'm trying to think of like, when's the last time I made a difference? And I'm like, nothing's coming to mind, but I'm like, I'm sure I must have done something. So, because I keep (laughs) thinking, oh, it has to be something big, but it doesn't, I keep, again, that mindset of changing the world. Yeah. Has anyone ever said, I love this podcast. It changed my life. I'm sure. (laughs) I've had, I have, that's, yeah, good point. I've had people (laughs) say that, yes, they, they really enjoy it and they've listened to every episode and all that kind of thing. So, so it can be as simple as that basically. Right. So for that person, you changed something about them and they in turn will change things. And then we could, you know, how does it feel when someone says that, you know? Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Tapping into that. Good point. Good tip. 
Yeah. <laughs> so also on your website, I noticed that um, this thing called Spark that you help you you help people find their spark. So I was yeah. hoping you could because it's an a, a, anagram. Is that what it is? Not an anagram. Acrostic poem. Acrostic. <laughs> yes. Isn't that what it is? It's yes. When the letters I, stand for something else. Yeah. Yes, they do. Um, I just find it helpful because it's so wide open to have people go, okay, there is a system, you know, there something's going to happen here because I think a lot of people end up at coaching and it's just like so wide open and I am more systematic than some other coaches. And yeah. that doesn't mean it's more like, I call it more like jazz music. Like there's a key <laughs> we're going nice. to say in here, but there's so many variations and lots of people can fit into the music. Right. But yeah. So spark the S is strategize. Um, we figure out a few quick changes, like what's gonna just triage the situation yes. and make it better because they contacted me for some reason. So we can't go big and change everything. Like what's making it hard? Because if there wasn't something hard right now, first of all, you wouldn't have contacted me. And also you're an adult and you would have fixed something, right? It is Right. Something's going on. Um, and then P is pinpoint your leadership style. So we do a lot of like, who are you? How do you operate? Some of that's Enneagram, some of that strengths finder. Colby is another assessment I sometimes use and Myers-Briggs, those four letters. Mm -hmm. It often turns out they work in a way the organization needs them to work in a different way. So it's like not quite a match with the organization, then that's good to know. Mm -hmm. um, and then activate systems. So it's S, strategize, P, pinpoint, A, activate systems that create spaces. So um, like, what can you delegate? What can you get rid of? What can you set boundaries around? What's mm -hmm. the vision? Um, there's They sort of are coming up above the water by then and understanding you know, things are a little calmer, understanding who they are, how they like to work, what the organization needs, and then um, what can they get rid of? So I'm often like, right. what could you not do and nobody dies? <laughs> like, <laughs> there's question. always something, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, then refine the next steps. So this is where we spend so much time is we creep creating real life experiments. So what if you just try this in the next seven days and then we come back, how did it go? So we have no failures. We have that we ruled this out. So was it the wrong thing or was it not quite like we need to just jigger the details of whatever you tried? So very specific experiments and we keep refining, refining. Um, one of my clients just felt like part of the way out for her was to budget and she wanted to record all that she was spending and she had a new child and what is this costing? And mm -hmm. she just wasn't keeping up with the budgeting because she was always tired at night and really down on herself. And so I was like, what if you just do it in the morning when you have more energy? And that changed it for her. So she, mm -hmm. at the end of our coaching was like, I would have said I need to budget and I would have failed and been done. And the magic of the coaching is that we're constantly saying, how can we make this better? Because she was solving for the wrong problem. That it wasn't that she can't budget. It's that she was doing it at a time of day. She had no energy. And then no, so S-P-A-R-K, no live and expand into a bigger calling. So how are you going to live into it differently? And this is where people make big changes sometimes, you know, that they're full on 
switching jobs or whatever it is. Um, so it's kind of the triage to who are you, to what can you get rid of and make more space to can you stay or do you leave is kind of the flow. Of it. Yeah, that's that's awesome. It's good to have a system because I think people feel more like that grounded by it. Um, mm -hmm. They kind of know where where to start, and what to expect and that kind of thing. So. And it's scary to just be like, hi, stranger, I'm going to tell you everything about my life. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and I have no idea what you're going to do with that. So this gives them something to expect. Yeah. Good framework. So when you were talking about Spark there, you mentioned the Enneagram test um, and also what was the other one, Colby or something. Colby is, it's K-O-L-B-E and there's a small fee to take it online, but it tells you how much you like to follow through, how much you like to have first kind of a spark of ideas. Do you start quickly or do you research a lot before you do it? So it's kind of a work style thing. So I have a lots of ideas and I'm only medium on following through. And so when I got an assistant, I've had her for five years now, but she is huge on following through. She's filling in what I'm not as strong at and she is creative in her own way but less about what about this idea what about this idea so you know i'm generating more ideas and she's doing more of the follow-through and sometimes in a workplace people have been hired to follow through when really they're an idea person mm -hmm. right so it's about finding filling that gap like that could that could be where dele delegation comes in exactly yes because I'm often, you know, in these places, I'm like, there's got to be a volunteer who will do this thing. I, one of my clients was overwhelmed by, she's running all these programs for kids on Sundays and Wednesdays. And, and there'd just be stuff everywhere, like all the art supplies and games and this, right. and that was causing her to not do the job well. And I was like, I bet there's a middle school girl who wants to put it all away every Thursday. And she found one, you know, like there's just a personality type. And then she's chatting with this girl and the girl feels really important. So there's always volunteers or, you know, if, if they're not in an organization, there's a family member, there's a neighbor, there's somebody who's better at the thing that you're not doing. Right. There's always a solution that you haven't thought of. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah. So back to, so the Enneagram test, um, <laughs> how I, I haven't taken it myself. I really should though. Um, what can you say more about the Enneagram test? Like, how did you, how did you realize using that would help with your coaching? I use it more than the other tests actually. Okay. Um, and I like it because it's about your motivations. So you and I could be doing the exact same thing if someone observes our actions, but we're doing it for different reasons. And so like, I have a family member who's an Enneagram one and she's doing it because it's the rules and she likes doing it right. And I'm an Enneagram three, it's an achiever. So I'm doing it because I want things to be excellent and I want people to notice. No. And there's other, there's an Enneagram six that would be doing it to keep everyone safe and to be stable. So we could all three be doing the same thing for different reasons, but it helps to know why you're doing things because then you can think about what jobs would really line up with my personal motivations. Right. Right. So it's a good test for people to take, but it's a paid test, right? Or is it? I think there there are a couple free versions you could get a first okay. answer. They 
they generally give you a couple, you know, you're, you're a number one through nine, and they'll probably give you two or three possible answers. And it's helpful to just read the description of all three. And then over the next couple weeks, be considering what seems to be a fit. So that could be a good place for a listener to start if they're. Yes. It's a little different than like, you take this and this is the answer. Like right. a quiz, you know, online quizzes usually are just like, here's your one answer. But even this computer test can't really know your motivations. You need to just be thinking about why are you doing things? Yes, absolutely. For sure. I have done the Myers-Briggs test. Well, I did it a long time ago. Um, and I don't know if it changes over time. Like if I'm, I don't know if that's a thing, but um, the last time I did it, I was INTJ. Love it. I'm ENTJ. So we'll get a lot. Okay, cool. So you can fill in all of the extroverted stuff that I don't want to do. (laughs) Right, but we'll think about we're we're imagining a world that's not there and we're thinking and we're on time. We were both three minutes early to this meeting. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Yep. Yeah. So you mentioned in there earlier something about motivation. So it made me think about like people who have maybe they know their true calling, but they've lost their motivation to pursue it or do it anymore for whatever reason. Like what kind of what could you say to someone who's lost motivation in their life? Yes, that is often because the organization or whatever they're asked to do does not feel connected to the mission. And you almost have to just make it up for a while because people can't necessarily switch what they're doing on a dime. So if you are at a job, oh, here's, you know, I just had a baby and there is somebody who was in charge of just changing sheets like all day long. She's bringing different sheets to all these hospital rooms Mm -hmm. and she, it's like kind of a mundane job, but she was like, I had to go to another department and get the cleanest sheets because these are fresh babies with lots of visitors and lots of photos. He felt deeply connected to the bringing of new life into the world while she's just bringing sheets, you know, and I'm like, I'm not belittling it. I'm impressed with her. So it's like, she just decided this job is going to be so important. I mean, it it is is important. (laughs) You need it. It is. Right. Every but someone little also thing. Could just be like, all right, move. I've, I've right. got the cleanings. You know. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's the attitude that you have with it. Yeah. Yeah. And so what figuring out what you cared about at the beginning or why you took the job, and maybe it was just for money. That's okay. You know, like <laughs> if somebody took the job for money, then what is the money buying? And you're showing up every day because you get to save up to visit your friend across the country or whatever it is to have a way. And then reminding yourself, um, people do a variety of things like set a phone to go off at the beginning of your lunch hour and the alarm is called whatever your motivation is. Oh, that's a good up for, to visit my friend, you know? Yeah. So like halfway through the day when you're like, Oh, I hate this. You're like, Nope, making more money. <laughs> I'm saying you have to visit a friend. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, that's such a good tip. Setting an alarm that's Mm -hmm. labeled with your motivation. Yeah. Right. So it doesn't just say alarm or whatever the phone wants to call. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Good tip. So for people who are feeling spread too thin and burnt out, because I'm sure that can happen when you're working in organizations and institutions, if you're someone who takes, who, who wants to take on lots of roles because it's, you believe in the mission or whatever, what could you say about burnout and spreading yourself too thin? Burnout happens when people are overextended, as you're saying, but also when they are disconnected from the mission. So 
what we just talked about with the motivation. It's when they don't feel like, why am I sorting paper clips when this organization is supposed to be feeding hungry people? You know, right. it's that kind of thing. But you're like, this paper clip is going on the paperwork that goes to the state that makes the money or, you know, what, I don't know how those things get funded, but you're, you're wanting to connect it. Also, people get burned out because they don't feel like they are being treated respectfully or civilly. So it might be the way people are talking to them, or it might be being underpaid as my story with the person who had to quit. Um, So that is a bigger ask to try and be respected more, but it is good to be aware of it and not let it be your identity. The job does not define you. The job is not the most meaningful thing that's ever happened to you in your life. And so just separating out of that and saying, I have worth beyond this job, even if the job is changing the world, you're Mm -hmm. still a human beyond that. Right. Okay. Yes. So connecting back to your humanity and your, yeah. And so you've mentioned the mission thing a few times now. And so it's obviously very important to have a mission or feel connected to one. So what can you say about somebody who wants to, I don't know, maybe craft their own mission or like, I'm just wondering if there's a way that even if they're feeling not connected to the institution's mission, in the meantime, could they create their own mission as a way to move themselves forward? Or like, what's the filler there? I often start with people. It's a whole, you know, series of things with the mission. But what did you love to do when you were five? Because there's often a clue in there. and. When I was five, I wanted to be um, a dancer and also drive a riverboat. <laughs> like, random. I, I know, random. <laughs> I must have been on one, you know, yeah. or something. Right. Um, and people were like, oh, you want to be a dancer, like entertainment on there? And I was like, no, I want to drive. <laughs> so <laughs> it's like I wanted agency. I wanted to decide things. Mm-hmm. I um, also wanted to explore and travel and be in contact with the public, back to the extroverted thing. I knew a lot of people were on the riverboat. So you can unpack what you wanted to do when you were five. And then the dancer creativity, and I'm still, you know, producing a web series. Right, still doing it. (laughs) And kind of going from there, what are some of these core things you could layer into that? What Enneagram type you are, or any other things you know, like your Myers-Briggs type, and what brings you joy throughout the day or the week. All of these things can layer in. And of course, there's more to it, but those are all starting points Mm -hmm. in order to find your own mission. And it doesn't matter if it's not like this perfect phrase. It's just like, if you have a couple of keywords that are going to keep you going, great. That's what goes on your phone alarm then. Yeah. (laughs) Whatever. Yeah, though that's fair. It doesn't have to be like a mo- like a motto or a, a no a thing that you have to make up. And it's just it's more like it sounds like more what you're saying is like a sense of being or like a sense of your yeah your values like what you value and what you want to go towards with that. Yeah, and I I mean every person is different. We know that every human on earth. Yeah. So there's some reason you're here. Like that's built in. There is a reason you're here, and yeah. you're going to be able to do something no one else can do. So get on it, you know, like, yeah. and maybe that is that you're looking at flowers all day and then you're going to write a poem 10 years from now about it. Like everyone's thing. It's not about how much you're producing in the world. It's that you are here to do something unique. I like what you said there about producing. It's not about generating 
something. I feel like that's really feeds into our like consumer culture and capitalism and like you have to be producing and uh, delivering this or that or making this product. So it's not about that though, especially right. when you're doing a mission that's related to an institution what just wants to feed people or something. Right, right. You know? Yeah. yeah. Do you know, Trisha Hersey wrote, rest is resistance. The short version is that we are all so productive and it's coming out of our slave roots, slave owner roots. Mm-hmm. And, right. you know, the people were an asset that they owned. And so they wanted to get more and more out of them. So we don't formally have slavery, but we are all still buying in, buying literally, um, that we have to do more and more and more and push ourselves more and more and more. And rest is resistance. That's her thesis. I love that. It's not that you're being lazy. You're just resisting, (laughs) you know? Yeah. Yes. It's kind of weird that we still have that going on. Like the, the employee employer, like it is, it can be kind of slave-like. I I don't want to at all compare it directly to that because it's not, but when you're working your employees so hard and just trying to squeeze everything out of them and you pay them like bare minimum wage, well, it's no wonder they're going to hate their job or their life and not be invested in what they're doing or the organization or whatever. So it's, yeah, it's like that mentality that's still kind of happening. Right. And we want to think it's not happening at nonprofits right. and, and churches, but it is to some extent because they never have enough budget. It's not like there's a person at the top making millions. It's that there's just no money. Then they want to do more and more with less people. Yeah, no, I think I think you're right. Like slowing down the pace of things and taking that rest uh, is really crucial with that type of thing. But it's hard to do these days because of the pace of technology. And everything's so fast and instant and instant gratification is, of course, they, whoever they, whatever, the cultural drivers would want us to be more exhausted because then they can sell us spa treatments and extra yoga. Like I would love for self-help to be a value add and not a way to recover from your life. So you're doing yoga because you're going to be better, not because you may just fall right off the cliff. It's like you're doing these things like yoga and stuff to return to that neutral state. It's like, well, I'd rather you be neutral and do them to elevate yourself. Like, yes. And you're going to buy more further. stuff. Yes. You're going to buy right. more instant foods and all these things. If you are exhausted, it, it all kind of feeds back into the consumerism that you were talking about. Yeah. 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 Well, I think we just solved all of North America's problem. (laughs) Stop consuming. (laughs) Slow down. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I I, I do think that's a pretty good, solid place to end on. Um, And maybe it's a good to get ahead of ourselves while the baby is being quiet and um before she starts before she wakes up again um but uh before you go where can people find you online if they want to connect and follow or uh, learn more and do you have anything coming up that you want to offer or promote or share thank you i have this process we were talking about the spark um it is the the beginning of it is available to download on my website which is big picture big purpose Dot com. So there's a place to do a free download and get the first five steps and work through them on your own, if that is helpful. And some of that could lead to finding your mission, finding your motivation. Um, so from there, people can find me. Also, it's big picture, big purpose on both TikTok and on Facebook. 
Okay. And on Instagram, it's my name, which is Dawn Troutman, T-R-A-U-T-M-A-N. Awesome. Perfect. Okay. And my last question for you, which I ask all my guests is, what advice can you give our listeners for living a wild creative life? Find time and space to listen to that still small voice inside you. Because you do know what to do. Mm. Yes, the answers are within. Mm -hmm. But we're so noisy, we're not hearing them. Ain't that the truth? Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Don, for all of your insight and you know, letting us sharing with us your very niche <laughs> business, which is serves such a big purpose, though. Uh, but yeah, thank you for your time. Thank you for having me. So fun. All right, that's a wrap. Thank you for listening to my conversation with Dawn today. If you resonated with anything that Dawn was saying and you'd like to reach out with her, connect online. All of her links are in the show notes below. If you're enjoying the podcast overall, please do rate and review. Don't forget to subscribe, follow, and share. I do also have a Patreon for the show if you'd like to support it that way. If you have any questions, comments, or topic ideas for future episodes, please email me at emmacavetna at gmail.com. Otherwise, until we meet again, stay wild, stay creative.